Welcome to the school of the Holy Spirit. We shine the light of Jesus over you. We sprinkle his blood on you and wash you with the water of his word. Lord, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Holy Spirit, send forth your flames of fire, ministering spirits, your angels, to minister to all the listeners. May the eyes of your understanding be enlightened so that you may know the limitless love of the Father in Christ Jesus for you. I want to begin by talking uh, about uh, setting up this teaching real quickly this morning. Foundationally, Christocentric teaching is part of the apostolic DNA of the body of Christ. When you say the word church, of course, we all know from the Greek, it really means the called out one. So uh, what is very important and significant is that when we're taught, we're taught from the Christocentric uh, thread. The DNA of the church is Christ-centered teaching. Everything needs to roll right back into Christ. When we activate people uh, with the gifts of the Spirit, Christ needs to be at the center of that activation. To be strategic and precise in cutting the Word of God requires wrestling with the text, for hours, for days, for months, and years of contemplation, meditation, and reflection. This will allow us to build reference points that allow us to see more clearly the word of the Lord and the will of the Lord. Many of us uh, think that truth operates like math and science. In other words, when you know two plus two is four, that's just the way it is. You carry that two plus two is four and you go and uh, you can be 22 years old, 50 years old. As you grow, you know that two, two plus two equals four. That's the standard. But real spiritual truth is in a continuum. What that simply means is I see from my perspective right now, I see what I see concerning a truth. But that truth has a myriad of levels or uh, uh, several levels in that truth. And maturity takes us along the continuum where we begin to understand the mind and heart of God with more clarity. And the more we understand the heart and mind of God in, in our maturation points, we come to a place where we can effectively function in the kingdom because we see more clearly. So if God says something in Genesis, that is the beginning. That's a seed of truth. It is not the complete truth. What I mean, what I mean is from God's perspective is the complete truth, but you only see from that perspective. The word of God is progressive revelation. So God teaches from Genesis to Revelation. One of the reasons we want consistent Bible intake is for our mind to continue to be renewed. And it takes time to build reference points to be able to see clearly into the plan and purposes of God. So it takes years to wrestle with the text, to build the proper foundation, to be able to release to the body of Christ, to raise people up properly. Our foundation can be laid properly or improperly. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 10, 
Uh, no foundation can anyone else can anyone build but one foundation, and that is Christ. Christ is the foundation. But notice what Jesus said through the Apostle Paul. He says, take heed how you build. In other words, there is no improvement on the life of Jesus, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, which is uh, laying into salvation, the entry point of salvation, entry point of the kingdom. But beyond that, we have to take heed how we build. And then he specifically says that we can build with gold, silver, and costly stones that will go through a fire and will come out even pure uh, with more purification, or we can build with hay, stubble, and material that can burn. So the Apostle Paul is very clear that there will be a day of judgment and that judgment for the believer is not with torment. That's simply judgment judgment for the works that we do. So we're not uh, concerned about being judged for sin. Uh, we are to judge ourselves in sin. But the reality is we are going to be judged for our work. In the Greek, it's called the bema. So in laying a foundation that is Christocentric, it allows us to be able to be more effective in ministering in the earth, working where the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth collide or merge as one. And we can repeat as it is in heaven, so it is on the earth. This requires very consistent foundational Christocentric teaching. What I'm sharing today is foundational, and it should have been introduced at the beginning of our walk and the discipleship discipleship journey. Uh, many of you have started with that. You don't have a lot of bones, so to speak, to get out of your doctrine. But if you've been saved for a number of years, that may not be true. Um, I have personally been walking with God for over uh, right at 40 years this year. I've been in ministry for 38 of those years, 39 of those years, and I started at the age of 10, uh, 17, not 10, 17 years of age. And with that, over the last 22 years, my doctrine has changed uh, dramatically, <clears throat> not because of the fact that um, I just started studying the Bible. It's just simply uh, put that as I've continued to study my viewpoints changed. And so therefore, when you come before the word of God, it's important that you come with a spirit of humility and be open-minded so that God can freely teach you through the Holy Spirit. So this journey that we're taking here uh, for the next couple of weeks <clears throat> deals with the importance of understanding the ways of God. Like I said, many of us have had training it can be direct or indirect, where we have a mixture of covenants, which becomes foundational within our soul. The issue with that <clears throat> is that when you have a mixture of covenants, you're functioning from <clears throat> religion and man-made ideologies. The combination of these two things make it difficult uh, for individuals to be able to work with the Lord Jesus Christ as he would desire to work with us. If you all recall, Jesus made the statement and said, through our traditions, we at times make the word of God none effect. 
That was not just something written to the house of Israel. Primarily, Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is uh, directly teaching under the law to the Jewish or the Hebrew uh, citizens of the nation of Israel. That was primarily who his call was to. And so when we rightly divide the word of God, we need to understand clearly who he's talking to, when he's talking, uh, what, and all of the other specifics that help us contextually see what Jesus was sharing. But at that time, he said through their traditions, the word of God would be none effect or non-effective in penetrating the heart for transformation. So your belief system is a huge factor. All of us have limiting beliefs. If your belief system is rooted in religion and man's ideology, you will again have difficulties in the way we deal with one another, the way we lead, and the way we walk and carry out uh, the plan of God in the earth. In fact, our victory will be limited. This is why the renewing of the mind in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 is so important because the renewal renewal of the mind is actually where God, it's his God's process system to transform your mind at a deeper level, at the heart level, 90 uh, percent, 80 to 90%, depending um, <clears throat> on how you're programmed inside. Uh, most of your actions are come out of your subconscious or your heart, meaning, meaning once something is developed inside of your heart, you automatically do it. Most of our living is out of our subconscious heart level. And actually that subconscious heart is, is um, excuse me, the heart is deeper than just the subconscious mind. It goes deeper than that. And so it's important for us to renew our mind uh, if we're going to be effective in the kingdom of God. With that in mind and with that introduction, we start with the importance of understanding the ways of God. When we say understanding the ways and character of God, we are talking about the very essence of who God is. And we're talking about understanding the nature of God which will allow us to flow with an incredible wisdom and precision in the earth that Satan can't do anything with. And it is a lifestyle that moves us way above the flesh into the realm of the spirit. When we understand the ways and character of God, we will, number one, become sound in our doctrine because it is very important that we see as God sees. Uh, A.W. Tozer, I believe it was, was uh, the gentleman, a well-known <clears throat> ministry gift, shared that the way you see God is more important, I'm paraphrasing, than almost anything else for a preacher or a leader, because the way you see God is the way you're going to project him on people. It is the way you're going to live out your life, and it's going to be the way that you project him on others. If you see God as an angry God, if you see God as a constant uh, dictator, if you see him as a ruthless um, judger of human beings, that's how your preaching is going to be. That's how your teaching is going to be. And everything's going to be laced with that judgment uh, portion uh, uh, of it. If you look at God from the Old Testament only as a prophet, 
then you will come across scathingly in ways that are not appropriate for the new covenant. So again, that's that continuum. God continues. If you remember the uh, apostles, which were disciples at the time, as Jesus in paraphrases, should, should we rain down fire? And Jesus made the statement that you, you don't know what spirit you're speaking out of. Well, where did that come from? It came from an ideology that where they saw something in the Old Testament, they saw prophets working a certain way, did not understand the heart and spirit of it, and thought that that would be the way to implement prophetic ministry even in their hour. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to bring you to another place because I am the chief of all prophets. And when you see me, you will see the Father and you'll see my demonstration of how the Father's heart is. And so sound doctrine comes out of understanding the ways of God, having more impact in facilitating the Holy Spirit, because that's all we are. We don't run the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit runs us, and he does so in a kind way. What I mean by that, he is the chief executive officer. He's the senior partner. He's the most important person on planet Earth, and he is the one we're supposed to be taking our instructions to. We can prophesy out of our soul. We can receive from the spirit through our soul and minister to people effectively. If uh, you want me to be honest, a lot of the prophetic ministry in our hour, a lot of ministry period in our hour comes out of the soul. I don't think it's bad intentions. uh, And I would definitely not put myself on the pedestal as being an expert over all of these things. But you learn a few things in 40 years of ministry. And you even learn that through trial and error in your own life. And so it's important for me when I get something, when I get an impression, when something comes to me, what's the character of God in this? How do I deliver the Holy Spirit? Do I say anything to anyone? Am I, uh, do you want me to pray? Uh, and, and, and all of these fit within the heartbeat of the shepherd himself, the chief shepherd, as we are under shepherds, if we oversee a flock, whatever we do, and all ministries should have a degree of the shepherd's heart because the Lord is our shepherd. We all flow, prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, elders, ministry gifts, and all people in the body of Christ are to flow with a degree of the heart of the Father. Why? He is our shepherd. That shepherd flow, when we get to understand God, his character and his ways, we begin to demonstrate the ways of God in the earth. That's why we're told in Ephesians to be in imitators of Christ and do what? Walk in love. So when we have good understanding of the ways and character of God, we have sound doctrine. We have a greater impact in facilitating with the Holy Spirit, uh, keeping order and directing our uh affairs and movements with God because we understand the ways and the character of God. We will have more impact prophetically when we understand the ways of God. To understand the God, excuse me, to understand God's ways is to have illumination, to live in harmony with the will of God as we occupy forward. Let me say that again. To understand the ways of God is to have light or illumination to live in harmony with the will of God as we occupy, offensively advance forward. The body of Christ should not be defensive. The body of Christ, even when we're attacked, we're operating from an offensive strategy. We are seated in heavenly places, 
and our strategy or strategical move, according to Ephesians chapter six, is to stand in the truth. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. In the context uh, where the most exhaustive teaching on spiritual warfare is in Ephesians six, um, tells us that we are to stand four times. Why is it perpetuated that way? Is because healthy understanding of the finished work of the cross says that you are seated in heavenly places. You're you're fighting the good fight of faith because Jesus has already won and you are what? Reinforcing truth. You stand on truth. The the whole thing that the enemy does uh, when he does what he does, and I don't like giving a lot of credit to Satan at all. I don't talk about him very much, except when you need to deal with that from a place of deliverance and et cetera. And then we still don't exalt him because he's defeated. But we have to understand some of the things and the weapons that he uses. But the reality is Satan operates in darkness or ignorance. And therefore, his job is to challenge you to see, do you know the truth? Do you know what is written? Do you know what God said about you through the finished work of the cross? That is the battle. That is where the distractions come to take you off course from recognizing that you're seated in heavenly places. So you can start working in the earth versus being aligned with where you are seated in your thinking, and you will find yourself shadow boxing in the earth and the enemy will be wasting your time and energy. So the illumination we get from God's word helps us to live in harmony with the will of God as we advance and occupy forward. The purpose of the word of God is to illuminate us on the ways and character of God, uh, on the ways and character of God. This is why it's written in Psalms 119.104 that thy word is a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto thy pathway. What is that? Uh, Another way to say this would be God's word is a lamp unto my present. It is the prophetic seed to my present time. God speaks through his word and gives me word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and all those prophetic channels. Today, it starts the seedbed for today, it comes out of the word of God where the word of God prophetically speaks. It's not the letter. It is when we move from the letter to the person of the word that God activates the heart of the believer into the supernatural. So thy word is a lamp unto my feet. That's my present where I can see today. But he's a light unto my pathway. That's my prophetic future. And so God is speaking through his word to to my today and to my future. Um, When we look at that properly and we catalyze uh, our lives and equip believers with the right kind of understanding with the ways of God, we can help people to advance. Uh, It's just like when you see Ephesians chapter five, where he talks about uh, chapter four, when he talks about uh, he, he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, the Greek word there talks about the mending of nets and setting of the bone. And so when you have doctrine that is off centered, not Christocentric, you have to sometimes reset the bone. So you have a situation where individuals, for example, uh, may have been 
uh, trained a certain way, but let's look at it in the natural. If you go into the doctor's office and you have a broken bone and they don't set it right, then it will not come to healing in its proper way. It will continue to cause problems. It will grow the wrong way or reset the wrong way. It says it was reset the wrong way. And sometimes you have to take that back to the doctor and they have to break it again to reset it. And unfortunately, much of what has transpired in America, when it's built on religion, uh, for example, the idea that pastors, teachers, and evangelists are the it in the fivefold ministry, where that the last time I counted, that's three. That's not five. Uh, well, apostles and prophets are not for today, but that really doesn't make sense. Um, we are utilizing intelligence, those that have taught this, to subject ourselves uh, to teaching a cessation doctrine. In other words, if I say apostles are still real and a prop prophets are real, Maybe that means God still works in miracles, signs, and wonders. So the 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 world of uh, the intelligent world, and when I say that, I'm not talking about <clears throat> being charismatic or being flowing in the supernatural. Doesn't mean that you're not intelligent. I'm talking about those that have built mind or mental intelligence and exalted it above everything else. Those individuals talk about the importance of rightly dividing the word, but they're doing nothing but letter building intelligence and puffed up with their mind, but they come up with a way to justify the gifts of the spirit not operating and, and to take away from uh, the apostle and the prophet is honestly to not have the ministry of Jesus in the earth. What do you mean by that? Jesus was the first apostle. Jesus was the first prophet. Jesus was the first teacher, evangelist, and pastor. Jesus demonstrates all of the gifts of the Spirit, except for speaking in tongues. Uh, and there's a reason he's perfectly channeled with hearing God and communicating to God, which we can get into that at another time. But the reality is the ministry of Jesus is what he gave some to. Jesus operated as an apostle, so he gave that to men. All of these things, uh, he operated as a prophet. You can go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see all of these operations in the text. And so if he only gave the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist, then we don't have the full Jesus in the earth. We don't have full representation of Jesus in the earth. Well, where does that come from? Not understanding the ways of God. Uh, for some reason, the first apostles almost deified there are no foundational apostles. We understand that. We're not rewriting the text. But there are uh, apostles and prophets that go beyond what you see in the 12. And we all know that. And you know that you've been taught that well. But the, the point I'm bringing is when we don't see God right, and when we have these proclivities to uh, move more intellectually versus moving with the Spirit of God, we become void in our effectiveness through the traditions that we release. The ways of God are highly revealed through God's laws and his word, while his character is highly revealed through the names of God. God himself reveals himself from Genesis to Revelation. This is another thing that's important. No man can understand God 
God has to reveal himself. He's the self-revealing God. And so when we try to understand God from our own platforms, we've come up with all kinds of religious jargon. We say things like God knew what he was doing when he brought sickness and disease upon you. He wanted to teach you something that doesn't come out of the heart of God. God doesn't self reveal himself, uh, doesn't reveal himself as a a disease giver or a sickness giver or a lack, uh, God, a God that has no prosperity, uh, flowing through his ideology. He is an abundant God. Everything he does is more than, is exceedingly above. When, when, when the writer said, uh, now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, what he's basically saying is, I don't even know how to put the nature of God in reference to his wanting to release blessing into the lives of people. I'm trying to give you all of these words to show you how big, how mighty, and how much increase God is, how much plus, you know, how plus God is. And so you got to move away from pursuing God to come up with these ideologies that don't match his character, that do not match his his ways. We don't decide how God is. He reveals how he is. We don't have the right to hijack any portion of his plan and represent it our way. No, it's all about the kingdom and it's all about releasing those truths into the earth. But we must understand his ways and his character. Knowing the ways of God is to know how he's dealing with humanity what he wants to do, and often why he wants to do it. There are choices the Father has made, past, present, and future. To know his thoughts towards us is to comprehend his ways. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10 through 11 says this, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear my wrath, they shall not enter into rest. Hebrews is a fascinating book. It is a book dealing with, when you read Hebrews, you cannot read it with just one chapter and pull the chapter out of its context. You really need to read Hebrews from the first chapter all the way through to be able to get the thread properly and understand what Jesus is doing. Rather, the Apostle Paul, some believe he's the writer of Hebrews, some don't don't believe. But regardless, the way that you study the book of Hebrews to understand it is to know that he it is a, a contextual exchange talking to uh, people that come have come out of what we would call Judaism that are following Christ that are being persecuted. They are are running into trouble with their family and all kinds of things are coming up because they've chosen this way of the cross. And the Apostle Peter, or excuse me, Apostle Paul, or whomever the Apostle Paul, that uh, Apostle that wrote Hebrews, lays out an argument to explain the shadow and the type so that they could see that going back to Judaism is to go back under the letter to a way that God was dealing with people that he's not doing now. In other words, that's the type in shadow. The real deal has come. And now what he's doing is doing his best to renew their mind, to show them what it is 
that he is doing now through Christ. So he's working diligently to stop them from being choked by persecution, which arises to take the word out of their heart. And so we see here, he says, they had not known my ways. That was why Israel never entered into rest. In Psalms 103 and 7, he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. This is a very important and powerful statement. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The difference between Moses and the people of God that followed Moses is that Moses dealt with God face to face, and he personally understood what was in the heart of God. So he did not confuse the deeds with what was going on in God's heart. In other words, many people, including us in this day and hour we live in, we can see miracles, signs, wonders. This is why miracles, signs, and wonders is the dinner bell to the lost coming to the knowledge of God. But dinner bell, that dinner bell is not in itself effective enough to develop people. Why? Because just because you see miracles, signs, and wonders doesn't mean that you will develop or even believe, right? You don't necessarily have to believe because the children of Israel saw all these signs, wonders, and miracles, and they failed to believe. They failed to mix uh, the word of God with faith, as we see in Hebrews. So it's important here, as we see this, Moses knew the ways of God, while the children of Israel knew the acts. God made his ways and character known to Moses. It's one of the reasons that Moses was an effective prophet and an effective intercessor and an effective leader. When you see him challenging God with his people at times, God would challenge Moses and then say something, and Moses would say, but God, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. He was actually appealing to the heart of God. God loved it that way. As he was interceding, he was actually harmonizing with how God's heart is. Lord, don't judge them. Don't do this X, Y, Z. Lord, have mercy on them, et cetera, so forth and so on. And as prophets, as apostolic people, It is important for us to know the ways of God, to be an effective intercessor, to be an effective leader. How would would Jesus handle this? What is Holy Spirit saying to me concerning this dimension of leadership, this dimension of ministry, this dimension of a man or woman's heart? Likewise today, God wants us as his leaders and his people to know his ways and and his character so that we can lead out of his heart. Uh, I personally believe a lot of us, uh, a lot of God's people, including his leaders, are very excited. And uh, though we're excited, we're we're mistaken. Uh, We mistakenly think that we're in good with God because we have seen his acts. Uh, I've seen God move. Yet the truth is at large here in America, there's a deficiency, as we can see, in knowing the ways of God. And if our ministries only build on the gifts of the Spirit, then we're going to have a lot of shipwrecks if we're only concentrating on the gifts of preaching and pastoring and leading and all of that. Those are giftings. There's anointing for all of those, but there's also an anointing to develop the inward man 
and develop the character of individuals so that they can be conformed to the image of God. When we don't lead with uh, the understanding that God wants us to understand his ways, we will be deficient and we will build um, a lot of weakness in the body of Christ. The Old and the New Covenant reveal the ways and acts of God. Um, all that God has ever spoken is true. So let me share this with you real quickly. The Old and New Covenant is really one thread revealing the story of God. The story is not exhaustive and it dwells in a continuum. Yet God has given all of us a glimpse of his dealings in creation. Through this revelation, we are at an advantage in being able to fulfill God's plan and purpose in the earth. When we peruse through the text and understand how God is working from Genesis to Revelation, it allows us, again, to become more effective in the earth. Hebrews chapter 13, 6 through 8 says this, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have ruled over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or their lifestyle. Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, the Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Uh, when we understand that God doesn't change, he's an immutable will to all goodness and that he does not change. When we begin to understand this from the continuum, meaning truth that is progressive, God is continuing to unveil his truth to us. We will see clearly that God is the same God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, but <laughs> he is dealing with man in a different way. And it's important for us to understand his character, his ways to be able to rightly divide truth. In order to see his sameness, to see the, the oneness of God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, in order to see his sameness, we must be diligent in our study. And that's why 2 Timothy 2.15 told us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. As declared in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 6, you'll see in the text there that it says this, there's a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are the differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are the diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. You find there the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in talking about the demonstration or the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ. Well, you know, we just need healing. No, that's one dimension or one uh, side or perspective of the supernatural that God wants to flow in. There are more gifts than the nine that are listed here, more operations of God that are, 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 that are listed all through uh, that we've seen through history and through the Bible, but yet these communicate to us, though there's a difference of administration, it's still the same Lord, the same God that works in all, difference of gifts. And so likewise, we can see God doing something in certain ways, but it's gonna still be out of the same heart and the same character, old, new covenant, one book, one thread. The text reveals the Father's workings. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are constantly operating and functioning together. 
And throughout history, we have seen this operation work consistently. Sometimes we look at God as if he's changed. No, he hasn't changed and he never will. Yet the way he deals with people in the new covenant is an incredible gift to mankind. He made Jesus the Christ available for humanity so that he could have one new man. Now, let me take a moment here as I, again, specifically moving through my notes and then prophetically in my heart as I teach. I want you to, to, to catch a glimpse of this and understand that in the Lord Jesus Christ, all the nourishment for every gifting flows from his heart into the believer's heart to duplicate his actions in the earth. And so when you see Jesus operating in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's not operating as God, even though he is all God. Somehow or another, God uh, does not touch his deity. Jesus does not touch his deity. People have problems with that. But the truth is, he was anointed by God so that he could demonstrate what the first Adam should have done, he is the last Adam, functioning and operating in complete harmony with the Father. He says, if you see the Father, you see me. If you see me, you see the Father. He says, whatever the Father says, that's what I say. Uh, this, again, is him operating in complete submission, and Jesus is the perfect submitted son. And so in this operation that we have, we are given a prototype for how we're to operate and have dominion in the earth. Hebrews chapter one and four says to the, tells us that God has spoken to us through his son, who he's appointed heir of all things. In these last days, that's what's written in Hebrews one. And many times and in divers manners, God spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. He has had in these last days spoken to us by a son who's he, who he has appointed heir of all things, which is very significant and important but why, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Here we see that everything is about Jesus. Colossians tells us everything is about Jesus, but you can easily go throughout Clubhouse, Facebook, on our YouTubes, and you will hear Jesus hardly ever mentioned. You will hear very little crystal-centric teaching. You will hear a lot of self-improvement. You will hear a lot of ideology that comes out of this uh, pop theology, but true apostolic preaching will exalt the Christ will break the anatomy of the internals because the gospel is all about the internal man, the spirit man, the soul becoming conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the one that we should be listening to. We should see the plumb line of living through the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus makes a profound statement. Remember, we're talking about understanding the ways of God. So Jesus is our plumb line. He is now, what we see in Jesus is where we get our revelation from to understand how the Father really is. In Matthew chapter 22 and 36 through 40, 
a lot of people have a struggle with the law. When you come under the new covenant, we're no longer under the law. And then you got people that say we are under the law. You got all this mixture going on and they say, well, what is the real truth? Well, Jesus simplified it in Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 40. He said, Master, which is the greatest command in the law? Jesus said unto him, uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Listen to what it says. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. What did Jesus just say? Well, for all of us trying to get clarity, it's very simple. Jesus said, let me simplify the end game of the law to you. It is the love of God. Uh, the law revealed, it was the written heartbeat of God where it reveals how to love God, how to love people, and how to love self. He says, the, the, all of the law hangs on this. So here's the thing that I would share with my clubhouse uh, family. He summarizes that the law and the prophets all are scripturally, excuse me, I'm going to say it this way. The law, the prophets, and all of scripture is designed to bring you back into the love of God. So it, 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 there is no truth that's in the law that doesn't apply today. It, it couldn't be because God wouldn't say anything that's not the truth. It is the way it's administrated. It's the way it's applied today. That's why the scripture says all scripture is profitable. He didn't say just some scripture. He said all scripture is profitable. In fact, when he wrote that, there was no New Testament as we know it today. So they were, he was talking about Torah, the law, and the prophets. And we know as we've gone along the way, we've understand the canonization of scripture. What's that? It, that is in harmony with God. He's saying, wait a minute, God hasn't changed, but let me show you how God is. He is a loving God. And all the law, when you see it from the right perspective, it was the love of God spelled out. Uh, fortunately, today we have a more effective way of living under the grace of God and not under the law, which I'll explain more as we go along the way. So the ultimate aim of God, everybody, the summit of maturity is really love. Why is that the case? Because love is the nature of God. God doesn't have love. God is love. So the summit of maturity, that's why when it came to the gifts of the spirit, the, the apostle Paul said, you guys got it working here. Man, there's, there's, a, there's such incredible movement, but the reports I'm getting reveal competition. It reveals jealousy. It reveals reveals the wrong kind of character. And he says, let me show you a more perfect way. And right in the middle, he says, he, he gives an a, a explanation or a teaching about the love of God. And he uses this teaching to share with the body, uh, that, that body, that local body there, to share with them that if you're going to be in harmony with God, with the gifts of the spirit, let the motive come out of the nature of God. And then even when we see, uh, let, let us uh, desire that we flow in prophecy and the gifts of the spirit, let us desire the best gifts. Well, what's the best gifts? It's the one that puts you on the platform. No, it's what is needed. What is, what is edifying? If a person needs healing, God will, we want God to move in what? Uh, he, uh, uh, gifts, gifts, 
plural of healing. It is not gift of healing, but gifts, plural of healing. And that could come through a word of knowledge. It could be a combination of gifts working together. Miracles require faith. <clears throat> uh, 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 the gift of faith in some cases, there can be the working of miracles and a healing at the same time. If a part is not there, the person needs a miracle. If the part is there, another part needs healing, then it needs a combination. But he says, what is the, the best gift is what is needed to edify that local body or that individual because God's purpose is found through his motivation of love. So the ultimate aim of the Lord, as I come to a close, I have three minutes. The ultimate aim of the Lord is to get his fallen creature back in his nature, which his nature is love. Hence, the message of grace is a message of incredible love that is incomprehensible, it has nothing to do with man. It has nothing to do with works. It has everything to do with a complete gift given to humanity. In 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4, we're told that uh, we escape the lust of this world through the promises of God, and God wants us to partake of his divine nature. John 10, 10 says the thief come not to steal, but to kill and to destroy. But he said that I came that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. That word life is zoe. It's the nature of God, the kind of the God kind of life. And uh, and God is looking for the to bring divinity. I'm not talking about this self, uh, what do you call it, new age stuff. Jesus is divine inside of the human spirit. When we cooperate with him, he changes us from glory to glory, faith to faith, and he changes the soul to that mirror that of the spirit. We become conformed to the image of God, or the image of Christ. And this is the renewal of the mind that requires us to be taught from the new covenant ideology and ingredients that will change the human soul. In conclusion, and we'll pick up on part two with this. And I had to lay foundation. So much of what I'm talking about, you've heard, but I have to do that because it's it's important for me not to come into the middle of the thing. Because if you have mixture inside of your heart, our foundation is not right. And it makes it difficult for us to comprehend how we go. For example, you can take a message of grace and by the way, grace is, is definitely not permission to sin or do what you want to do. It's actually empowerment to live above sin and to live supernaturally in the, uh, the character of God. But when we look at uh, how God wants to work in the earth, we need to teach toward sonship because the gold in our inheritance is in your spirit. It's not in your soul. So I must teach toward the new man, which the new man has a new mind. It has a new vocabulary. It has a different thread of thought. And so if I'm teaching or ministering outside of the new man and the new, rea new creation realities, what ends up happening is that I end up working hard to try to get God's plan to work in our lives and it becomes works and not grace. So again, these are the foundational components 
Uh, I will conclude. I've got several pages of notes, but I had to start with the foundation. And prayerfully, you were able to get a little bit of light if you or a lot of light, depending on where you are in the continuum. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the full message from the School of the Holy Spirit. Find us on the Clubhouse audio app. For more information, visit us at schoolofthehollyspirit.club. That's schoolofthehollyspirit.club.